Welcome to Ask the Dean. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm the co-founder of MAPT. I'm joined every week by Rachel Grubbs, the other co-founder of MAPT, who has 20 years' experience in the pre-med and test prep world, and by Dr. Scott Wright, former executive director of TMDSAS and former director of admissions at UT Southwestern Medical School. Ask the Dean is a weekly Q&A we do live exclusively for our MAPT members, and this podcast is a recording of that session so that everyone can benefit from that knowledge. Let the knowledge flow. Ask the Dean, episode 75, back at it again with Dr. Scott Wright. How are you doing, my friend? Doing really well, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing excellent, or as yes. I like to say now, tickety-boo. I am tickety-boo. Tickety-boo? Um, because oh. I watch too much British television. Okay. Um, I don't but... really know what that means, but all right. It means tickety-boo. It means I'm, okay. I'm, I'm tickety -boo. I think in Texas they say happy is a pig in mud. <laughs> That's essentially ticking. Not in my part of Texas. Okay. If, you, if you say so, then I'll get that. Scott's in the sophisticated part. <laughs> I'm in Austin, which is a little different than most places. Pinky's up, wrist down. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Verinia Granum, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. Glad to be back with the team. Yes, yes we both missed house. last week. Mm -hmm. They've got the whole gang here. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm surprised they were able to hold down the fort without us, but oh, they, uh, they did. Of they course. Did. Of course. <laughs> we Whatever. muddled through somehow. <laughs> yeah, we did yes. great. They don't need us. They don't need us. We can go. <laughs> and my maps co-founder, Rachel Grubbs. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm trying to put up my own caption. Hello. <laughs> there you go. I'm good. Uh I am happy to have you guys back. Scott and I did have fun just being a duo, it but is. it's yeah. always best when it's the whole team like that. Definitely. <laughs> when it's everyone. That's um, hello everyone on YouTube. Hello everyone on Instagram Live. If you're on Instagram Live, go ahead and jump over to YouTube, mapped.tv, so you can ask your questions over there. That's where we will, uh, we'll, where we'll take questions from. Uh, Asadina is here every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you get the four of us, sometimes two or three of us, depending <laughs> on who's out sick or who's traveling or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but we're here to just be here and answer all of your questions for the hour. So, uh, it's something we love to do. Jarrell says, hi, hi, y'all. He must be um, in the South. Yes, y'all. Y'all, that's a uh, very, very... Um, Southern. I, like I don't know. I think y'all has been mainstreamed. Like, I've heard you think so? Jersey and Boston saying y'all well, now. Jarrell or Gerald, whichever it is. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing it. You have to tell us where you are. He's in Austin. He's in Austin. <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah. Nice. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Well, we got our first question up. If we want to pull that one. Uh, Lena says, not a super dense question, but are there med schools in New York State that are friendly to out-of-state students? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Private schools. <laughs> most most <laughs> private schools. Although I think uh, I was looking at some of the private schools. Uh, the MSAR, the Medical School Admissions Requirements Service that, that WMC proudly sells to everyone, uh, they... Um, they have access to in-state, out-of-state kind of stats mm -hmm. for schools. And I was looking at it not that long ago, and there, there's one 
private school that I remember off the top of my head. I don't, I forget which school it is, but it was very in-state heavy, even though it was a private school. So um, you just have to look at all of the schools in the state. Uh, SUNY upstate, SUNY downstate are both uh, in-state schools. So you're going to have less of an issue there or more of an issue there as an out-of-state applicant. But you look at New York Medical College. We, we jokingly, that's my alma mater. We jokingly called it Cal State uh, New York or University of California, New York when we were there because we had tons of California students uh, at, in my class. Um, so you just got to do your research. Yep. All right, this isn't a question, but it's pretty happy. Woohoo, Lauren! Woohoo, Lauren! Yay! Yeah. Awesome. I remember Lauren. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> I remember Lauren. Yes, yes, uh, that's awesome. Congratulations, Lauren. We are thrilled for you. Absolutely. All right, question for Mariah. Mariah asks, do I mention learning impairments in a disadvantaged essay? I wasn't clinically diagnosed with anxiety until my second semester of college and didn't receive accommodations before. It did impact my grades. Hmm. Thoughts, thoughts. What are your thoughts? I think hmm. so. I, I think so. I think it's it's something that impacted you, um, you know, further along in life, too. You weren't diagnosed until much later. Um, you know, kudos to you for kind of plugging through it with an undiagnosed uh, learning impairment. But I think it's definitely something you would mention. Yeah, I yeah. go with I that. Mm -hmm. Scott, what are what are some ramifications of talking about it in a, a disadvantaged essay or anywhere well, in an application? One, one of the ramifications is that you're revealing a disability. Uh, and if you reveal a disability early on, they're not you know, you know, they're not officially supposed to, you know, have that play into the decision making process. Yeah. But, um, you know, there will be a, an appropriate point in the application process where, uh, you know, if you're accepted, they'll send you in uh, forms that say, you know, do you have any things that will uh, require you to seek accommodations in the educational program. And mm -hmm. so the, the school at that point will have to decide, um, can we make accommodations or can we not? Now, something like a learning impairment, then that's not going to be a big deal to, to make accommodations for. Uh, but uh, so I, I would say I, I agree with Verena. I think in this case, you know, it, it would be something to, to discuss, particularly as it impacted your grades and, and, you know, how that's been resolved and, and how you see that as a, as a disadvantage. But, um, uh, but there would be other cases where I would, I would say I would hesitate on that. But in this case, I, I think I would. Yeah. Yeah. And then there are potentially other places if you don't want to talk about it in a disadvantaged essay or, or somewhere else. Mm -hmm. A lot of schools as part of their secondary essay process will ask right. about poor grades or, or is there anything else you want to know? And you could mm -hmm. potentially talk about that stuff there. Drell from Austin asks, I'm a non-trad looking to shift careers into medicine after working in progressive campaign politics for 10 plus years. How much of a personal story and partisan detail should I talk about with admissions? Mm. Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, so, so, well, so I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. let you talk in one second, but the far majority of, of higher education, I think is, is more, 
um, uh, progressive. So there, there shouldn't be huge issues, but Scott, I'll let you give yeah, your thoughts there. I, I, and I agree with that. What, what I would do is I would tone down the partisan yeah. aspect yeah. of it and just talk about, you know, being in, involved in a, in political, in, in the political, you know, scheme where you were, where you were really pushing for social justice and, you know, wh whatever that def was defined as you and sort of minimize the sort of, um, you know, whether you were Republican or Democrat and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I like to remind people when they get kind of polarizing, even if I agree with them, is in the current climate of this country, yes. whatever you think about half of the country disagrees with you. Yeah. Right. So. I think it's excellent to be authentic and true to yourself. You definitely wouldn't want to apply to a school where you had to hide right. who you are. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I also think, you know, to your point, how much of your personal story and partisan detail should you talk about? We'll talk about the parts that are relevant, you know, mm -hmm. to who you are as a human yeah. and who you are as a pre-med applicant. Right. But there are probably some parts that are less relevant or right. just, you know, aren't pressing in those conversations. Yeah. Right. Um, I, would, I would say you probably would not want to apply to Liberty University's School <laughs> of Osteopathic Medicine. Probably not. No, probably <laughs> not. And, uh, Jarell did add a little PS, which is sort of specifically talking about, you know, applying mm. to schools in conservative states because he lives in Texas. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I think um, it, it's it's a well, balance. Right? Yeah, it is a balance. It's a balance between who you are and yeah. also like uh how often do you bring up politics in the first 10 minutes of meeting someone? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope not a lot cuz that's yeah. boring, man. Well, and in this case where you're in Texas and you're going to be wanting to apply to to all the Texas medical schools, uh even the most conservative ones which are would be, you know, A&M and probably Texas Tech um, you, you're still in within the environment, like, like Ryan was talking about where, you know, it's a, it's a fairly broad, diverse, you know, environment. So you're, you're, you know, I, I don't think you're going to have to be worried about talking about being a progressive and, and that that's what you've been doing within the context of being balanced. Mm -hmm. like, like it's all, saying. they're all centers for liberal indoctrination. Don't we know that? Right. <laughs> 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 anyway um, <laughs> all right so april asks do I, I have a d in physics too from my undergrad degree but i'm doing a master's currently and will graduate with a 3.9 should i retake that class or showing uh, an upward trend good enough so as a mapped user if you used mapped and you put that D into your mapped courses, you will get a little warning that says, hey, you got less than a C, C minus or less is not passing for a prereq like physics two. Physics two is going to be a prereq for a, a large majority of medical schools out there, and they will not accept a D. Uh, even if you're in a master's and you uh, are taking like physics is your master's, uh, they they are going to want a higher grade than a D. So you will very likely have to retake that class. That said, uh, good job on getting... Oops, uh, sorry. Oops. 
I didn't mean to Someone's do that. Someone's playing with my comments. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, good, good job on the 3.9. That's all I was saying. Yeah, April. absolutely. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. It looked like you were saying it's really tough. You have to retake that that class. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got so sidetracked so quickly. All right, Jessica. Jessica asks, what's a competitive amount of clinical hours? I know continuous is important, but as a non-trad struggling to find time to get certified as a CNA, MA, EMT, and worried I'm not doing enough as an interpreter. So, Brittany, what do you think? Yeah, that's that's the question. What is the competitive amount? <laughs> yeah. As much as you need to kind of get a sense of what it is that you want to do. Um there's no set number, obviously more than, you know, one or two hours here and there. Um, but it really comes down to what you can fit in, what you can gain from that experience that really shows you what it's like. Um, so maybe not an actual part-time job, but maybe more like, you know, less hours, but more consistently across, you know, several months. Um, even if it's like part-time on the weekends, whatever you can fit in. Mm-hmm. What would you say, Dr. Wright or Dr. Gray or Rachel? Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I, I think particularly knowing that you're getting certified in a in a field that's going to be heavy patient contact, mm-hmm. then I, I don't feel like, you know, maybe backing off a little bit because you're getting those those certifi- that certification and are going to be really working in an area that's going to give you a lot of clinical experience. Uh, then, then I think that sounds appropriate to me. Well, the way I read Jessica's comment is that she's struggling to find time to get certified. So yep. I think right now the clinical work she's doing is interpreting. Oh, um, yep. oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah. So, and, so, and remember there, you don't have to be certified to get clinical experience. Right. I mean, those, right. those are fancy mm-hmm. clinical jobs for right. pre-meds. Um, and, and depending on the state you're in right here in Colorado, I mentioned it a lot. Uh, you don't have to be certified as an MA to work as an MA. So same check here, with, yeah. check with your local laws because yeah. you, you may be able to go to a small private practice and they'll train you on the job. Uh, and, and you can work as an MA with, without any sort of certification or even, um, scribing, maybe telescribing yeah. that's, that can be a little bit more, um, flexible in terms of scheduling hours. Uh, but that might be something to look into also. Yeah. yeah. Te- telescribing now, I'd probably recommend a lot less now that the yeah. kind of bulk True. of the pandemic is over. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Please, God. Uh, uh, but yeah, but yeah. Scri- scribing definitely. But yeah. being an interpreter is, is I-, I would call that clinical experience. You're kind of mm-hmm. in the heart yeah, of the oh, conversation, absolutely. interacting yeah. with the doctors and the patients. At, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Michael asks, I recently retook a biology class. One total for four credit hours, two grades. Other totals for five credit, one grade. My question is, how would I go on about calculating AMCAS GPA? I'm not quite sure the question, but <laughs> the so... Um, Yeah, the way I read this, so Michael, with AMCAS, even if you do a retake, 
there isn't grade replacement with AMCAS. So you're simply entering all of that bio, right? So you're entering the one bio that it sounds like is essentially two, two credit hour classes or one, three, and one, one, yeah. right? So you're entering each of those two courses, those two grades. And then you're also entering your five credit hour course for one grade, because that's how AMCAS will calculate it. It's going to take all of them and just include it in the overall average. And also, if you use MAPT, MAPT will guide you to do just that so that you can see how that impacts your GPA. Um, so even if your school lets you do grade replacement, AMCAS does not. Yeah, so I, I just... I I was so confused reading that. I, I, I missed the retaking the class part. Mm -hmm. So the question is, I retook my biology class. The class originally was two grades, four credits. My retake was one grade, five credits. Is AMCAS going to freak out about that? And the answer is no, no right? They, they deal with this kind of stuff all the time. Yep. You put it in, you mark it as a retake, and it's, it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. And good job on getting that retake done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Chloe asks, if you completed a majority of your clinical experience one to two years after graduating undergrad, will that affect your chances of being accepted to medical school? The old checkbox mentality here. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right, Scott, as, as mm -hmm. you look at an application, you go... All right, so this student's applying to medical school. They got all of their clinical experience or the bulk of it um, within the first year or two. And after that, I don't know what they're doing, but they're not getting clinical experience. Um, I, I always talk about uh, actions speak louder than words. Mm -hmm. And your, your words are saying, I want to go to medical school in your application. But your actions, your activities aren't potentially showing that with a lack of clinical experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah, it could affect your, your yeah. chances of getting into medical school. Yeah. I agree with that. And, and it might depend a little bit on the timeline. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. If, if mm -hmm. Chloe is now seven years post undergrad, mm -hmm. then that gap is not a good look. Um, she also might be saying, I didn't realize how important clinical was until I graduated. And now I've been doing it and I'm ready to apply. Right. Which, you know, one of the things we try to teach is start it early. Um, but if if, you know, if that's when she started getting it. You yeah. Know. So mm -hmm. my reading comprehension today is not good. <laughs> so I'm just going to stop talking. I read this as she got the bulk of her experience one to two years at the beginning of her undergraduate. And now okay. she's graduated. Okay. So uh, my brain just doesn't work well today. I apologize. Uh, I'm going to shut up and uh, just listen. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, we, we still for a while. That's yeah. fine. We still love you, Ryan. Don't worry. You can hang with us. Uh, Ryan's getting over a lot of, a lot of stuff right now. He's coming out of the woods. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, Abood right. asks, do most med schools look at recent MCAT score or are there schools that average or look at all scores? Dr. Wright, you want to take a first stab at this? I think most medical schools give you the advantage of your highest total score attempt. Mm -hmm. And so they're not going to average them. They're not going to, you know, pick and have a super score where you're picking and choosing uh, different sections from different 
different exam takes. Uh, they're going to look at, and they're not going to look at your most recent score because if you went down, that would disadvantage you. So, but I think most medical schools are going to give you the advantage of your highest total score uh, uh, in the process. So I actually have, it's, this is from a couple years ago. Um, this is from 2017, but there was an advisor, uh, and I'm looking off to my other screen over here. Uh, there was an advisor who did some, some research and talked to medical schools. Uh, and it was very interesting to see um, kind of what the responses were from the schools. And again, this is from 2017, so things might have changed. Uh, but I'll just, I'll, I won't tell you the school name, but I'll just kind of read what the response was. Um, highest score, most recent score, super score, most recent plus trends, most recent, most recent, most recent, highest, all scores and trends, uh, most recent, most recent, most recent, all scores, takes average. Um, so you can see it's kind of all over the place uh, with potentially most recent being uh, the most common, at least in this small subset. Uh, but that's something I think uh, uh, the mapped team, we can, we can kind of add mm -hmm. that to our kind of inquiries when we're gathering all the data for our databases and stuff. Yeah. Sure. Understanding yeah. how schools mm -hmm. look at, at these. Uh, I was surprised that there are at least on here, I think there were three. A lot of most recent ones. Yeah. But I was surprised there were at least, I think three that said super score. Um, mm. uh, looking at again, maybe it's just one here, but I thought there were uh, another one. And I, anyway. I, I, my guess is that the double AMC, the MCAT people turn over and, and yell a lot when uh, school super score, because that totally tears apart the integrity of the scoring system. Oh yes. The integrity must, must come first. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I'm not agreeing with it. I'm just saying, <laughs> I, As I think that's what they I do. I was um, like, let me just insert the graph here of the AMC's revenue streams and yes, then we talk exactly. about their integrity a little more. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> oh, man. oh, feeling the snark today. All right. So I moved, some shade. Uh, bottom line here is uh, it varies and you're not in control of it. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there, there was one school on here that had the very unfortunate response of highly recommend one good score. Multiple scores are not looked upon favorably. Whatever. Shut up. <laughs> anyway. Fairy tale. Ah, yes. All right. Let's uh, I'll, I'll work on my reading. Everyone seems to have experiences as a scribe, MA, CNA, or EMT. Meanwhile, my only clinical specific experiences are caretaking, PT, rehab aid, and shadowing. Will these suffice? Depends. <laughs> as with everything else in this process. What yep. does it depend on? Did you, do you feel that based on everything that you've done, it's sufficient enough for you to apply right so have you learned about you know what it means to to do this job day in and day out um it's you know what you're listing caretaking pt i mean it sounds clinical i'm not sure what specifically you did um but it's again it's one of those questions of you know do i have enough hours is this you know did i check off all the right boxes yeah well and so, the the other thing that strikes me on that question is 
it says everyone seems to have experiences mm. extra you don't know what everyone mm-hmm. has you, no. you know yeah. that is not knowable uh, maybe within your little circle, uh, a lot of people seem to have those experiences. But I would say when you look at the big picture, I think most people do not have things that require some kind of certification or whatever. My, my guess would be most people are, are doing a lot more similar things to what mm-hmm. you're doing in terms of caretaking, being an aid of some sort uh, and stuff like that, as opposed to the other way around. Mm-hmm. At yeah. least that would be my feeling. That's that would be another really interesting bit of data to collect from from people, Ryan. If we could, you know, how many of you have the you know, have done this kind of job? You know? Yeah. Well, we well, we have that data in Map. So yeah. the more people that use Map, the more yeah. the more of that data yeah. we can gather. Um, my my one concern with this is uh, caretaking. We talk a lot about uh, it's definitely clinical experience, mm-hmm. but if that is the far majority of your clinical experience. Uh, and Rachel, you, you mentioned this the other night at eShadowing when we were doing some Q&A, was mm-hmm. taking care of your own uh, family member as a caretaker is very different than taking care of someone else's family member. And so that that may not be the best clinical experience to lean on as, as the bulk. Uh, if you're caretaking other for other people, then great, maybe that's, that's better. Um, and yeah. in which case you are an MA, you're just doing it uh in a home potentially and then pt uh a rehab aid um is is a iffy one right because you're in a pt office typically uh doing rehab um you're definitely interacting with patients they're they're physical therapy patients um but there may be some people out there that go well you're telling me you want to be a doctor but all of your experience is around physical therapy so Mm. Um, be careful with that as well. Mm-hmm. Agreed. That'd be like uh, being applying to medical school and, and the chief amount of your clinical experience is in a dental office. Yep. Yep. It'd be the same kind of thing. Same thing. Yeah. Clinical experience, but in the wrong, the wrong clinic. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Scott, what are you reading? Uh, I'm not going to say. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Uh, let's see. What we got here? Aylin says, I work for the nutrition department, visiting patients in the hospital in person to take their food orders based on the diet order, educate the patient foods they can or cannot have. Is this clinical? I think this is a new question. I haven't seen the, mm-hmm. the nutrition part before. So I'd is say this it's clinical. server? Like a restaurant server, or is this clinical? Because it's they're kind of interacting and saying, well, based on your high blood pressure that you were just diagnosed with, mm-hmm. you need a low sodium diet, and here's mm-hmm. what you can have. I think you know. I think you know. You can you can identify it any way you want if you want to yep. identify it as clinical. But then you have to be able to explain it both in terms of your written application as well as in an interview. Uh, how you see that as clinical. This is, you know, potentially a little bit of a stretch in my view, but I think it, it, it really depends on, on your day-to-day, you know, how much of your experience is actually with the patient. That's the key mm-hmm. here. Yeah. And I might and add not, to that. Not just bringing the tray in mm-hmm. and saying, here's your food. Right. And how much of the experience is educating, not just right. taking the food. Right. Yeah. That's right. 
Um, all right. Well, you got something, Aelin. It's better than nothing. Um, but what Aelin does have that a lot of people don't have is access. Access to other departments, other right. people to say like, hey, I'm already in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Can I come and play with you for a little bit? Yeah. Yep. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I talked to someone the other day who um, uh, is in a relatively small town and there's only one hospital and all they had open was the gift shop. And she was like, I know it's not clinical, but I took it because I'm hoping I can parlay it into something else. And I was like, that is exactly the right response. Yeah. At least yeah. you're in the building. Yep. You're starting to prove that you're reliable. <laughs> yeah. When that exactly. when that doctor comes in for his like afternoon sugar fix and wants to buy yeah. a bar, big like, hey, say, yeah, how you doing? How you doing? Exactly. Exactly. All right. Let's keep going here. Rachel asks if I haven't received a secondary from my school because they look at the full application before sending them out. Could I try asking for a secondary or would that look be would that look bad or be disrespectful? And I think this is our friend Rachel Rachel. Um mm -hmm. uh, the art of med Rachel. Um Scott, what do you think? If if you if you at UT Southwestern, and I don't know what you did, but right. you did reviews and, and you screened for secondaries and you either hadn't gotten to a student yet or you had screened a student out of getting a secondary and you just don't notify them of that. Uh, and they go, hey, like, I want a secondary, please. What does that look like? Um, you know, I think that would depend a lot on the school and, and on the personality of the school. Yeah. Um, my feeling is that, you know, it's not going to change their process any. Just because you asked for one, they're going to go, oh, I'm sorry, it didn't work that way. Uh, but uh, I don't think it would look bad or be disrespectful. I, you know, I would just say you're you're probably not going to get the answer you want. Yeah, they, you could be disrespectful if you if you, write, you, you go. Yeah. Um, excuse me, I've been waiting and I haven't heard anything from you, <laughs> right. and it's just I'm very unprofessional that I haven't heard from you. Uh, can you please send my secondary now? Uh, obviously, you could be disrespectful, but I think yeah. if you just uh, maybe form it as an update letter um, and say, looking forward to receiving my secondary instead of saying, like, can I have it, please? Um, they, I think there are very good ways of, of requesting one without Agreed. being disrespectful and yeah, forceful. I, I agree. Yeah. I, I, I liked your very gracefully, like, it depends on the institution. If it's a very stuck up one, they're like, <laughs> yeah. who does this person think they are? Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, some schools are that way. <laughs> yes, they are. Oh, yes, yeah. Some schools are like, you know, and the way I would look at it, <clears throat> if I was the director of admissions now, I would be like, well, you know, I would look them up and see where they are in the process. And uh, and if we had reviewed them already, I might look them up again and review them again just to see, well, do we miss something or whatever? But I don't think it would make, you know, really change the process any. But, you know, I, I always looked at it when I was at Southwestern is that I'm going to take whatever opportunity I can to look at, at, at applicants. And if if for whatever reason an applicant is brought to my attention. 
then I'm going to, I'm going to look at it. You know, I'm going to say, I, cause I don't want to miss something that, you know, like if an advisor calls and says, Hey, don't miss the student Their Their GPA is a little low, but they're just, you know, fantastic, spectacular, whatever. Just because that uh, advisor call doesn't mean I'm going to just jump all over it, but I am going to look at it and see, you know, is this something I want to pursue? <clears throat> yep. All right. During an open interview, can I reuse a story I mentioned in my AMCAS or secondary application? For instance, if they ask about working with different cultures. This is a very common question. And I feel like a very common mistake that students make is not answering a question to the best of your ability with the strongest anecdote or story or whatever, because you already talked about it in a prior part of the application. And so what you're doing is you're you're hindering your ability to have that conversation because you've already talked about it before. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, unless the interviewer specifically says like, without telling me anything that you've already written about in your application, blah, 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 right? Unless they specifically tell you not to, then answer the question the best way possible, even if you've written about it. And and I wouldn't preface it with, well, as I've already written about in my personal yeah. statement, yeah. here's what I want to tell you. That's like, that's like in an email going, uh, as per my last email, <laughs> which is super uh, snarky. Aggressive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it is, yeah. it is okay to, uh, yeah. I agree with that. Talk about it. Sometimes I have to type as per my last email and then delete it later <laughs> because I just need to release some of that snark. Yeah. I literally did that this morning to a to a customer service email when they, I, I'm having an issue with with a, a device in the house and I'm like, as I mentioned in my initial <laughs> response, like it's not working. <laughs> <sighs> All right, quick feedback from Isaiah. Just finished putting my grades into mapped. It was a huge encouragement boost when actually seeing my upward trend. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. we, we get both sides. Like it's an encouragement. <laughs> I see my trends, or uh oh, like I didn't know yeah. I was that bad. So yeah, yeah. And you know what? even with the cases of oh, I didn't know that bad, I still say woo because you were brave and you faced mm -hmm. the truth and now yep. you have data to move onward. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I've definitely had people who, who said like, it was a little worse than I was expecting, but it is a relief because mm -hmm. like sometimes people hold off on entering all their stuff into map because they're a little nervous. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Once you got to have there. a mm -hmm. starting point. You got to know what you're improving from. Yeah. Exactly. You have to know. Ignorance uh, is not bliss in this right. case. Mm -mm. Right. Jackie asks, I'm a non-trad taking prereq classes at a local state university. Will it be bad if I don't get a committee letter from my post-bac school? No. no. I mean, unless the school specifically says we require a committee letter. Um, but I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. I think it's and hard. schools can't require because not every school yeah, student true. goes to a school <laughs> that has committees, yeah. um, or has committees that write letters. Or yeah, yeah. Don't worry yep. about it. Not a problem. 
All right, Andrew asks, I'm going to graduate next semester, which will mark three years as an undergrad. How will adcoms view this? And do I need to make it noticeable? Well, so an early, a youngin, as, as we call him, a youngin. Mm -hmm. Scott, uh, as again, a former director of admissions at UT Southwestern, when you had the youngins applying, did that weigh into decisions of like, well, is there maturity here or we want them to go take a gap year to to ripen a little bit more? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, I think that the, the schools do look at maturity and, um, you know, they're trying to determine, are is this an appropriate time for you to enter medical school? For I would say for the majority of students that come in on this kind of quick path, um, method. Um, I, I think that they're fine, that, you know, that their maturity is fine. I think the letters of recommendation are going to be important uh, to, to for a faculty members or a supervisor or whatever to really talk about their maturity level and their, you know, uh, social skills, communication skills, things like that. Uh, but all in all, I don't think just because you graduate a year early or even two years, you know, we have students who are even graduating uh, after two years post high school, because they had so many uh, credits, uh, dual credits in high school. Um, but, you know, I, I think most students are going to be fine. And, and but, you know, there is a chance that uh, a school might think, well, this is a little uh, a little young uh, for us. Uh, but it's going to be based on behaviors. It's going to be based on what the letters say, stuff like that, as opposed to just because of the age. Mm. Yep. All right, Aileen, again, if my committee letter was dated June 2021, do I need to re-ask them or do I need to ask them to redate rather uh, it for the June 2022 cycle? So we've well, talked about LORs being yeah. dated mm -hmm. uh, before, Scott, what do you think? Well, yeah, I think. I mean, you need you need to check with your committee. They may, uh, if 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 this is a year old committee, the committee may not be willing to do that. Number one, they may not be willing to just redate it. They may want you to go through the whole committee mm -hmm. process again. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, so it just depends on the on the school. Like in my iteration as a uh, pre med advisor at a, a large school with a lot of pre meds and and a lot of applicants every year, we, we would not have done that. We would have said, well, we'll submit last year's letter with last year's date and everything on it, or you can go through the process again. Lifeline, as a non-traditional student, I was a nursing major. Do I put in my nursing courses into MAPT as well to calculate AMCAS GPA? I'm currently a postback student. Yes, every single class. Yep. Uh, now, one thing to be aware of, Lifeline, is that some of your nursing science courses may not count towards your science GPA. Mm -hmm. um, and the, or the prereqs. Mm -hmm, or prereqs. Yeah. Um, so the, you're actually your best resource for that is your advisor at school. They'll be able to tell you which courses count. But, but often um, science courses that are specifically for other health profession tracks don't count as pre-med recs. Um, and it just depends, you know, it depends on the size of the school, depends on the way they track their sciences. But 
every course you took ever after you graduated from high school goes into both math and your application GPA calculation. It's just a question of how it counts. Yep, yep. Good question. That is a good question. I definitely had people think some classes didn't count. They all count. They all count. Yeah, and that goes for uh, activities as well, my yeah. friends. I talked to a student yesterday who uh, applied to medical school. It's his second application, and so I'm, I'm guessing he made the same mistake on his first application cycle to, to medical school. He started his undergraduate courses back in 2002. Uh, it is now 2021 for, for those of you keeping score. Um, he had five activities on his application starting in 2011. I was like, what were you doing the rest of the time? And we, he talked and he was like, well, I was working here and I was working here doing retail stuff. I'm like, well, why isn't that on your application? It's not just a um, kind of a show of everything medical that you've been doing to show that you're getting the experiences in and around medicine to show that you want to be a physician. Uh, but it's also a, a snapshot of your timeline of what has been keeping you busy throughout the years. Yep. Um, and you working a retail job or a server job or whatever else non-medical can help uh, the admissions committees understand who you are um, and give uh, a lot more intangibles uh, potentially that you're bringing to the table. So don't just put medical stuff on your application activities. Yep. yep. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Show us who you are as a person. Ramos. I really want to make my interest in pathology a central theme of my personal statement as I already work in the field and wish to further continue down this road as a physician. Is this wise? No. <laughs> no, no. So uh, your personal statement is your declaration of why do you want to be a doctor, not why do you want to be a pathologist? So I, I would save that uh, pathology statement for your heiress application to residency yeah. programs. Yeah. And we talk a lot about not having a central theme, right? So the theme should be you and why you want to be a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, just to pile on a little and not because of you, Becca, but because this is a common kind of question. Um, so there's two things here. One is most people who think they know their specialty when they apply to med school, end up changing their mind. Yep. And also one of the biggest mistakes we see is people not answering the prompt. Mm -hmm. The prompt isn't what kind of doctor do you want to be? The prompt isn't tell me why you'll be a good doctor. The prompt is why medicine. Mm -hmm. So just stay on topic. Yeah. And they're going to get an understanding of your interest in pathology because your experiences in mm -hmm. your activity section are going to be around pathology. So Focus there for that. Yeah. All right. A little bit of a confusingly worded one. Just warning you, Ryan, because I know you're having a no bones day. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's a bones or no bones day. Let me, uh, uh, Rachel said it was a no bones day. She uh, okay. Uh, no is, it, is it a bones day? Um, all right. They're checking. Um, so <laughs> I've been pressed to find advice about my IA uh, plagiarism warning. Uh, 
and had messages from the internet saying to talk about the warning and my own advisor tells me that the warning is internal and not to mm -hmm. all right so mm -hmm. this is a very common question that comes up mm -hmm. when someone uh has some potential institutional action so that's what ia is for those of you wondering uh has a potential institutional action but the the institutional action was handled internally so your English professor, let's say, uh, had some concerns about your paper, ran it through a plagiarism tool, and and they have some concerns that is plagiarized, but it doesn't rise to the level of going to the registrar or bursar or whatever office at whatever school uh, handles marking your transcript and your official records as having uh, had this plagiarism uh, issue. Uh, and so... I've always leaned on, like, do as much research as possible. Talk to a thousand different people at your school. And if it's not showing up anywhere, if they're like, no, it was really just a slap on the wrist. It wasn't an official anything. Then you probably don't need to put it on your application. Right? And and you just praise your lucky stars that it wasn't an official sanction from the school and it was just a slap on the wrist. And I don't know if that's being a little deceitful, Scott, what do you think? I agree with you. I think if it's not an official action by the school, then there's, there's no reason to, to put it on there. Um, I think the way that this applicant is describing it, it was a warning and I would say, okay, warning is different than an official sanction. And so yeah. I, I agree with you. I talked to the advisor. I talked to the registrar. Make sure that you know the ground rules here in terms of what's going to show up on your transcript or whatever. But all in all, I would say that I agree with you, Ryan. I would I would say not to include it. No. What do you think, Ray, Rachel, what do you think? You look like you made a face when I when I was saying that. Oh, I was making a face at trying to find questions I hadn't okay. answered. Because oh. um, okay. some people are posting twice. Yeah. So I'm like, wait, where did I go? But Vernia, you chime in if you have something. Well, say. see, the the like anxious goody two-shoes that I am. <laughs> the rule follower. The rule follower. I would just be so worried that some yeah. way, somehow it's going to come up. So, I, you know, I probably personally would say something, maybe maybe address it as a red flag and, you know, in a secondary or something. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to agree with the other experts and say, if it's not on your transcript, then, you know, make sure triple check, get it in writing from someone that says they're not going to reveal this yeah. <laughs> um, accidentally or something. Yeah. Yeah. This, this comes up a lot more uh, with expunged, yeah, um, criminal criminal records. records. Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I've had my my uncle in law on the Prima Years podcast twice talking about the legal ramifications of arrests and other things with your application and how to answer these questions, uh, both in primary and secondary applications. And he always warns about expunged records because one person may say it's expunged and it's it's expunged in one place but not in another place yeah. and with yeah. with court records and all this stuff um everything has to be like picture perfect for records to be truly expunged and not found and he and he's dealt with a lot of uh medical license issues where people thought their records were expunged and so on their 
like medical license or whatever, when they're applying for a medical license, they'll say, oh, yeah, I don't have any criminal criminal record. And then the background check that the the mm. state board or whoever uses is like, well, that's not what this says. Mm. Yep. Um, and and yep. you, there's a bigger issue with potentially lying than mm -hmm. just saying, oh, yeah, I had this one issue in the past and it's not a problem anymore. Yeah, I completely agree with that, Ryan. I think, you know, that that to me, that's a totally different thing than what we're talking about here, though, the, yeah. that when you start talking about criminal stuff, mm -hmm. there are so many so many yep. little fingers that go down into so many different areas and stuff. Yep. It's just, it really can be a problem. Uh, but with an institutional warning like this, I, I, I would say, you know, typically that's not going to be an issue. Yeah. Dania is here. Hi, Dania. Vanity Nutrition. She's hanging out with us today. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, let's see. Uh, here we go. How to get strong clinical LOR if bulk of clinical experience is being an EMT and only working with other EMTs? What should I do? So here's the question. Who says you need a strong clinical letter of recommendation? Yep. That's the question, right? I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen a really strong bias from a medical school that says we need clinical letter of recommendation mm -hmm. and medical schools are not accepting you because you have strong clinical skills. That's not why right. they're accepting you. Right. right. It's a very right. big mistake right. that students make, I think in their personal statement and elsewhere of like, I know how to take a, take a history and I know how to uh, do uh, Venus draws and I know how to, run whatever uh pcr lab thing <laughs> i don't even know lab stuff um and, and it's like okay great like i don't i don't need you to know that but mm -hmm. i guess it's we're gonna great teach that you, you know that. it <laughs> um so yeah so well and, and you know the other thing i was thinking about this particular question too is that uh if you want a, a clinical letter uh, if that's just something that you feel like you want to have because of your experience as an EMT and stuff like that, get your shift leader um, yep. to, to, to write the letter or get, you know, several of the of the people that you work with to, to go together and write a, a, a letter together. Yep. Um, you can do it in a lot of different ways. You can, you can. And, and usually EMTs are over oversaw overseen by mm -hmm. uh, a medical director who's a typically a physician so uh, obviously there are typically performance reports and other things that right. uh, are tracked and and you potentially could get uh, signed off by a physician yeah All right. Sean asks, how important are LORs? So it's LOR day today. Uh, do you think they can make or break an application? How much weight do adcoms put on them? Well, Scott, you did a whole inside med admissions about letters of recommendations. Did you not? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We did. We did. Uh, you know, I, I think absolutely. And, and I think that what, what we're looking for in a letter is personal, you know, a very per deeply personal letter. They, they typically are the kind of thing that can really improve an application. Uh, I would say it's, it's very unusual, perhaps even rare, for a letter of recommendation in and of itself to break an application. I, I've never really, 
I can't recall ever seeing a letter so bad that it, you know, totally shut down an application. Yeah. Uh, that'd be highly unusual. And, uh, and I, but I do think that admissions committees put a lot of credibility in letters of recommendation, particularly if they are uh, personal and give a lot of good information that uh, they, the ad comps do to really look at those and, and, uh, and evaluate them, you know, and, and, ad, ad, admissions committees see, you know, thousands of letters every year. And so they know the difference between a typically good letter and an awesome letter. You know, they get, they get what that difference looks like. And so when they see a letter that is just over the top, you know, wow, this is, this is an amazing letter. then that's going to mean a lot more than a letter that's good. Um, but not over the top. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Probably have time for one more, maybe two. Let's see. Jessica asks, is a career changer coming from law? I always denied jobs due to lack of experience. Uh, I've been a caretaker for multiple people, non-family for a year now. Is that enough if I can't find other work? We talked about this, Rachel, didn't we? Uh, in in e-shadowing the other day, it's like, I can't get a job without experience. I can't get experience without a job. It's like, yeah. come on, people. Um, so Jessica, the, the best thing to do, um, is try to find smaller places, um, smaller private practices where it's one or two physicians, um, uh, you potentially could get some opportunities there. Um, being a caretaker for multiple people, non-family. I like how she, she added that. So she, she was listening earlier, mm -hmm. potentially, uh, right. That's clinical experience. You're taking care of people. So, um, yeah. Do what you can do. So I, I think the big issue here in this in this question, which can be see, seen either way, is that you're coming from law. <laughs> I was going to say that too. <laughs> I, I didn't either, I didn't want to bring it because I make I make too tainted, many law jokes. You're tainted and it's never going to happen. <laughs> or they're going to be like, you finally saw the light. <laughs> yeah. So. We, we like lawyers more and more in this household. Uh, my, my wife does a lot of work with lawyers, and, and I can see how much a physician being involved in these cases makes like makes or breaks oh, this person's absolutely. life. Uh, it's, it's crazy. So for all you future doctors out there, be kind to lawyers, at least the good lawyers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not the ones that are like... <laughs> I don't know. I think a lot of those old lawyer jokes come from a time when the market was glutted with lawyers. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, personally, I've been excited to see not just doctors um, dabbling in law, but doctors starting to get involved in government. Um, I think, you know, more and more, it's clear that we need people who are helping make the laws understand science. Mm -hmm. Um, well, there's, so. there's some doctors in politics that uh, <laughs> I won't I won't call them out by name, right. but it's in any profession there's good and bad eggs right yep, but yep, so yep, jessica yep. they're joshing but i and you know i know they're just joshing you but i just want to chime in I, i'm excited about your feedback. i was kidding jessica <laughs> i hope you know that yeah. I, I i talked to a lawyer um uh for specialty stories and it was very funny because she she did a very lawyerly thing after the episode came out she's like i need you to edit this and edit that and edit this um, i'm like okay but it was very interesting and she didn't know that this field existed before going into to medicine. So she was a lawyer 
she wanted to go to medical school and then she found forensic psychiatry uh and there's tons of law the side of things and and she was very excited uh and fit well for her so lots of options out there for you yep well it's 158 eastern time anyway uh so we should probably move towards wrapping up um Friends, as always, if you didn't get to your question this week, we will be back. We're always here every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Yes, we are. And if you are a part of MAPT, um, you can add uh, chat advising uh, onto your MAPT plan and chat with us inside of MAPT uh, specifically about your your situations. So that's something to think about as well. Definitely. You know, we can get into some more nitty gritty because it'll be personal. Mm-hmm. All righty, everyone. Thank you for coming and we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. This is Dr. Gray again, closing out. I hope you learned something from our session today. If you haven't yet checked out Mapped, I invite you to try it for free for two weeks by going to mapped.com slash podcast. Track and navigate your journey to medical school using the only tool like it for pre-meds. We'll see you next week here on Ask the Dean.